By the middle of Passion Weekend, the disciples were scattered. They were frightened. And they were hiding from a Roman government that had executed their leader, Jesus, this one who called himself Lord. Fifty days later, we see Peter and the rest of the disciples standing next to him, thundering forth the recognition of the identity of Jesus as both Lord, Adonai, and the Messiah. They're saying that he is the one that Israel's hoped for, and he's the God who is the hope of Israel. Wow, what a change. What made this transformation in these men and women? I submit to you today, friend, it was resurrection power, but not just being a witness to that power, but being a recipient, a participant in that power is what changed Peter and his cadre of world, world transformers. Let's get into it. Thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that lives in you. The tomb is empty today. That's a fact. But your response will determine how that fact shapes your future. Amen. You may be seated. What a weekend we're celebrating. Evan and Lawrence, good to see y'all. Y'all look good. Aren't they a good-looking couple? I can't wait till they get married. It's going to be awesome. They're talking about getting married at a destination wedding, so I'm even more excited. I don't know if I'll get invited or not, but I think I'm going to come anyway. <laughs> what a weekend we're celebrating. We opened God's Word last week, and we found that on Golgotha, Jesus Christ has pronounced the last word on our sin. You're never going to get another statement about your sin than what Christ said. It is finished. The last word has been spoken over our iniquities. And on the cross, the curse of sin was broken. And the dominion of sin is forever vanquished and defeated by the sacrifice of a holy God who did it the only way possible. He wrapped himself in a human body and he came and he dealt with sin himself. Only he was powerful enough to defeat the arch enemy of your soul and mine. Only he had the power to do it, but thank God he was willing to come in Christ and accomplish that for us. It was on that Thursday or Friday when earthquakes and darkness, wandering spirits and empty tombs signified the shift in the cosmos. Things were different now. They were different now. Preaching today about the difference. The dark powers that had ruled in the heavens, principalities and powers that had arrayed themselves against righteousness were now utterly defeated and completely disarmed. And those powers were forced to witness their accusations and their condemnations against us, the sons and daughters of men. They were nailed to the cross 
a public notice was served for all time and eternity that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin and the debt of damnation that you and I owed was paid for by the one who brings salvation. I'm so thankful today that I know the salvation bringer and I know his name and that name has been placed over my life. Are you thankful today? But it's not just the heavens that were transformed. It wasn't just hell that was shaken or the earth that bore witness to these changes above and beneath. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus the Messiah would also usher in the greatest transformation in the history of humanity as well. He didn't just change angels. He didn't just change the earth. He didn't just change hell and change heaven. He changed men. And he changed women. We see it in the disciples. Just that week. Now think about it, Rebecca. You got three years to live with Jesus. You're going to eat fish with him. I don't know if they had holy hush puppies or not. But here's Jesus cooking for you. You've got, you're, you're watching bread come out of his, his hands and multiply. You're watching fish. You're, you're seeing him walk on water. When you've got a question, you can just go ask Jesus. What? That'd be pretty awesome, right? I mean, you can ask him now, but he doesn't always thunder out of the clouds. But I mean, just like, I mean, you've got Mark. That's awesome. But if you had three years with Jesus himself, how holy could you be? You think you can make it, Jim, if you had three years with Jesus? Here's what James and John did after three years with Jesus. The week of the Passion Jesus is headed to Jerusalem to give his life. He's told the disciples what's upcoming. And James and John, here's their, here's, here's their question, right? How are you going to get through this, Jesus? How can we support you? How can we help you? How can we assist you in this process? It's not what they ask, Evan. Hey, um, Jesus, when you come in your kingdom, who's going to be your number two? And who's going to be your number three? The same time that Jesus is, is he's, he's thinking about passion and sacrifice and James and John are bickering over position and prestige. That's the kind of disciples that they were after three years, Scott, of living with him. Here's Peter, good old tempestuous Peter. Now we've spent two or three months Look into this wonderful apostle who talks about stability and tribulation and trials. And, and all the book of 1 Peter is about our faithfulness and God's goodness make for wonderful things if suffering is involved. Because even through suffering, Christ's power and his glory are revealed in us if we'll just be faithful to a holy God. That's Peter's message. But the week before Calvary, here's Peter's message. One minute, one minute, he's single-handedly taken on a Roman squadron of soldiers. He's got one sword, and he knows what to do with it. He's whacking off an ear here, and he's trying to attack there, and he's really on top of it. The next minute, he's cursing and swearing and denying he even knows who Jesus is. Three years, Candace. Three years. Now, in two months, it will have been three years since you first walked through the door of Arlington United. And I hope it's been a blessing to you. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. But three years with Jesus himself, I'm tempted to say some of us maybe could have done a little better. I don't, I don't know. These disciples, now, the, the week before Calvary, they weren't really passing the final exam. Y'all get the picture? 
Thomas is, Thomas is saying, we'll go with you. We'll die with you. We're ready. Thomas has got that, you know, he's got that, uh, that sticker on his, on, on, on his suitcase that says, ride or die. He's, he's ready. We're, we're going to go with you, Jesus. But on Friday night, there's nobody around. On Saturday, nobody's a disciple. Because on Saturday, Jesus has zero followers. At the cross, it's only John the Beloved. And there's some ladies there who loved him too much to leave. Before you think that Christianity doesn't have a high view of women, remember that the gospel records the last to be with Jesus were women and the first to announce his resurrection. The very first preachers of the gospel were women. God has a high place for women in his kingdom, and it's revealed in the gospel. What was it that turned frightened followers, scattered souls, into world changers who were bold as lions? Because let me tell you, this picture that they had in the last week that I just painted for you, this unflattering portrait of these disciples that really weren't passing the test, by the end of the first century, Brother Mark, they have turned the world upside down. All of them, except possibly John, gave their life for the gospel. They absolutely emblazoned the known world with the gospel of Jesus. From Spain to India, the gospel overwhelmed every culture, every nation, every tribe, every people group on earth in just 60 years because of these men and the ladies that follow Jesus as well. What changed him? Obviously, obviously, the immediate cause of this undeniable change was a resurrection. In fact, Brother Kelly, one of the most important arguments that has to do with the proof of Jesus' resurrection is the change that occurred in his followers. People that were unbelievably transformed could not have been transformed by a hoax. We actually have more evidence that Jesus is resurrected than Julius Caesar existed. The evidence for the resurrection is so strong, but one of the most powerful testimonies is the change in the disciples. You see, the resurrection caused new rules to reign. The resurrection made impossible an impossibility. My wife said it today. If there is an empty grave, we can hold on to hope without being naive. If the tomb is not empty, the gospel is hollow. But if the tomb is empty today, we can make any claim that is in this Bible and we can be assured that our God will follow through and our God will perform His promises. If the resurrection is real, your hope is holy. If the resurrection is true, your faith is secure and strong. Paul said, if I have hope only in this life, I would be the most miserable person on this planet. But I came to give the church a strong word of encouragement and a message today. The resurrection is real and your faith has a firm foundation. You can believe in him today because he was raised up from the dead. The resurrection was irrefutable proof that God is real. Jesus was who he said he was and that God had once and for all come to live with us. He had come to live for us 
because he had come to live as one of us. The incarnation is permanent. Humanity is now permanently wed with divinity. God will always have humanity in him because he chose humanity with him. He chose humanity for him. And in that incarnation and that resurrection today lies the secret of our hope. Are you thankful for the resurrection? Otherwise, let's go watch golf. Let's go get some barbecue and let's just not waste an hour every Sunday. It's two hours by the time you get ready. Some of you look like you've been working for longer than that. You look wonderful today. It's, you look beautiful. But why spend our time on a dead religion? I'm telling you, you can learn good moral codes from a lot of places. You can read a lot of wisdom in a lot of books. But if you want to serve a living God, you've got one choice, and his name is Jesus Christ. You came to the right house today. You got dressed up and dolled up and came to the right place because our God is real, he is living, and he is powerful today. I'd like to tell you that the resurrection alone, Sheila, was enough to change Peter. I'd like to tell you that the resurrection alone changed all of those people, but I have proof positive from your Bible that says the resurrection alone wasn't the only difference. Brother Scott, think about it. According to Luke chapter 24, verse 51, 500 people, 500 people saw a witness of the resurrection. They could touch him, Rebecca. They could put their hands in the nail prints. Thomas even put his hand in the wound in his side. They knew he was not a ghost. They knew he wasn't a parlor trick. They watched him eat fish. They knew he was real. And they watched him get on a jetpack and shoot up in the sky. They watched Jesus ascend into heaven, using our terminology. What a miracle. Scott, how in the world could you see that and not obey him for seven small days? Right before he hit the... And went into the clouds, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and you're going to receive power from on high. Seven-day prayer meeting leading to a power packed in filling. 500 saw him, only 120 were there. There was a 76% attrition rate on those who knew and definitively could prove the resurrection. It was not the resurrection alone that was the difference in the disciples and changed them into the apostles. It was when that resurrection power that emptied the tomb filled their hearts that made the difference. It wasn't just the resurrection that changed the disciples into world changers. It was the resurrection power that came in at Pentecost. The purpose of Golgotha was Pentecost. The purpose of Calvary was Pentecost. The purpose of the empty tomb was a full heart. It wasn't just to get the power in the world and to show that he could do it. He wanted to get the power in you and the power in me. Say amen. amen. It's one thing to be a witness to the power of the resurrection. It's one thing to be a witness. Yes, I saw it. He's alive. I touched him. I felt his nail prints. That's really Jesus. The one that they put on the cross. The one that they hit with the spear. The one that they put the crown of thorns on. He's alive. That's a witness. That's a witness. It is quite another thing to be a participant in the power 
of the resurrection. Anybody alive in Judea could have been a witness, but only those who received the power of the Spirit were participants because the same power, Paul said, that was in God and rose that raised that body from the grave through Jesus Christ, entered them on the day of Pentecost. You see, God saw to it that the tomb was empty so we wouldn't have to be. We have an opportunity today to be full of the same power that raised up Jesus from the grave. The whole reason he vacated the tomb was so he could take up residence in the church. Think about it. He borrowed a tomb, Candace, because he was only going to be there for a long weekend. But he bought the church with his own blood because he's going to be in the church from now until the end of time and forevermore. He loves you and he paid everything in order that he could live inside of you. The real difference, the real difference between a cowering Simon on the night of Jesus' trial and a thundering Simon Peter on the day of Pentecost as he preached to those who crucified Jesus was that the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead was not just in Peter's world, it was in Peter's soul. And it came through the day of Pentecost. Jesus had prophesied it in Acts 1 and 8. He said, you're going to receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses unto me until the uttermost parts of the earth after, after Peter received the power of Pentecost, he could be a witness all over the earth. Before it, he couldn't be a witness 50 yards from Jesus. But now he could witness for 50 years for Jesus. 120 have believed in him and received it in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The goal of Easter was to fill you at Pentecost when a Savior risen would set a church aflame, and the world would never be the same again. Easter is more than bonnets and dresses. It's more than eggs and grass. It's more than spring, and it's more than joy, and it's more than renewal, and it's more than new life, and it's more than a new year. Easter says that we are filled with the same power if we will receive that Holy Spirit, and we wants to change this world today just as He changed every one of those 3,120 that comprised the first apostolic service. I stand here today and I know we've got 13,000 people to minister to. And I know it would take an inordinate amount of power. I know it would take the miraculous. I know it would take the work of God for us to have an influence in our community. We don't have the budget. We don't have the marketing. We don't have the advertising. We don't have the intellect or the planning or the, or the projects and management that we would need to minister to every need in our community. But we have something that no no one else on this planet can claim but the blood-bought Christians that have the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is we stand here today with a miraculous power that raised up Jesus from the grave. And in the face of that power, I say to every demon in hell and I say to every spirit in Arlington that wants to keep people in bondage, we're here. We're going nowhere and we're going to change this world by the power of Jesus Christ. On betrayal night, they said to Peter, aren't you a Galilean? I can tell by your accent. And on the day of Pentecost, they said, aren't you a Galilean? But I'm hearing you speak in unknown tongues. It wasn't just the resurrection in that tomb. It was the power of the resurrection in his life that made the difference. 
the tomb is empty, but is your heart full? Resurrection power has come to our world, but is that power living inside of your heart? Friend, receive the message that one of the initial recipients, Peter, preached that day of Pentecost. Open your life. Repent. Repent of your sins. We've all done wrong. Acknowledge it. Turn from it. Ask God to forgive you of it. Be baptized in water in His name that you might receive that resurrection power in you. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Its initial evidence is speaking in other languages as the Spirit gives you utterance or permission. But it's lifelong fruit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. It's awesome. And it transforms the world around us by the power that's moving within us. Thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United.